lump off mom what's wrong with me can you keep your evil doing quiet finn is dealing with some heavy stuff over here unacceptable i'm not cut out for adventuring finn you messed the beat up i just want to sit here and moan then i'll moan with you buddy this is a conversation parade and adventure time podcast i am one of your hosts open michael eagle i'm a rapper and host of podcast secret skin and i'm here with john mo hello how are you john i'm good mike how are you i'm good open michael eagle no yeah i do that sometimes wow but only uh only only on podcasts I say that. I don't know. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I have to I have to find ways to say things that I say all the time in different ways. But it belies the pun of open mic. Like nobody's going to an open Michael performance at the coffee this house. This is the thing, no. John, <laughs> that pun I'm very tired of. I'm very done with that pun. If I can rhyme something that sounds almost as bad as a pun. Yeah. If it's your name you're allowed to cheat around it however you want. I sure hope that I am. <laughs> <laughs> I had a question for you though, John. Do you yes. remember do you remember the first episode of Adventure Time that you that really caught you, grabbed you? Oh yes, it was James Baxter. James Baxter. I'm the youngest of four, right? And in my family and my mm-hmm. my oldest sister uh lives in Norway and uh She's lived there for decades, and so we we don't get to see each other much. But through the miracle of Facebook, like she has always been a huge influence on me. When I was in right. grade school, she was in college, and so she was like hipping me to Kate Bush and the she Ramones. She was so cool. Oh she my was gosh, so she was cool. the coolest then. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and so whatever she posts, I always on Facebook, I always pay attention to, cause I know she'll be, she'll be onto something cool. And, uh, so she posted the James Baxter thing and James Baxter. I just mm-hmm. thought, what is going on with this? So it wasn't long <laughs> before I was just down the rabbit hole. How about you? Yeah. similar to me. Mine was, um, sons of Mars was the first episode oh. that I really like paid attention to and i was like this is weird and wonderful <laughs> just really enjoyed how the characters spoke to each other and and the, the range of the story i could start kind of by some railroad tracks and end on mars with abraham lincoln and back and i, I don't know I, it really like i think before that i had kind of casually seen a show and didn't realize how um ambitious it was and that was the episode that kind of kind of got me. I was watching that episode very recently, and I think my favorite moment in the whole episode, and one of my favorite moments in Adventure Time, is in that episode where Magic Man has swapped bodies with Jake, and then Finn's just sitting there looking kind of confused, and Magic Man says, shh. And then he's still confused, so he throws a rock at Finn's head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Finn just gets knocked out. And I just love the pairing of goes telling this. someone to be quiet and then just throwing a rock at their head. <laughs> hey. 
All right. So listen, everybody, this is the final episode of this season of Conversation Parade, but it is not the end of Conversation Parade. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back a little bit later on this fall. So look for some new episodes in the very near future. A little later on in this particular episode, we're going to do something a little different. We usually talk with some of the voice actors from Adventure Time, some of the storyboard artists, the people behind the scenes. This time around, we invited our friend Nico Case to join the conversation. You know Nico, she's the Grammy-nominated musician, singer, songwriter, as a solo artist and as a member of the band The New Pornographers. Nico's latest album is The Worse Things Get, The Harder I Fight, The Harder I Fight, The More I Love You. She's a huge, huge Adventure Time fan. If you follow her on Twitter, you see she tweets about it quite often. And Nico has some things to say, especially about Martin, you know, Finn's father. This guy is not a dad or should be reproducing. Like, I had two Martins as parents, so I'm like, nope. That's musician Nico Case chatting with us about Martin Mertens coming up in just a bit. But first, the next season of Adventure Time is just around the corner. It's coming right up, season seven. And Mike, we're going to talk about questions that we have going forward uh, that we hope will get either resolved or at least addressed in the episodes to come, things that are on our minds. And uh, I'll go first, um, which is what will happen to the Candy Kingdom? When last we saw Princess Bubblegum, she had been voted out of office. The King of Ooh was now running the Candy Kingdom. He was the princess of the kingdom, and she and Peppermint Butler were living in a bat-infested shack on the outskirts of town. Now, all we do have some advance warning of what's going to happen because Hinden Walsh, who plays Princess Bubblegum, said when we interviewed her that there will be more time spent on the porch of that house slash shack. So even if PB reclaims power, it's not going to be right away. But there's definitely there's political turmoil going on in the Candy Kingdom. Uh, all the, the dominant pink colors have turned more of a purple uh, sort of mm. evoking the idea of a bruise, probably. And, uh, Ooh. yeah. And, uh, like, society is pretty much collapsing with the King of Ooh in charge. I mean, John, how, how long can we realistically expect the King of Ooh to run anything? He's, well, he's, he's so terribly inept. So you're saying that somebody who isn't very good at the job can't last very long running a, uh, <laughs> a, a kingdom I, I think this guy couldn't keep he, he was he was he was he was spending his time uh, tricking a baby and making him money and he couldn't even keep that going for like more than a week like how's he gonna run an entire kingdom he couldn't even keep his baby manipulation scam afloat you know with an attorney voiced by paul Shear by his side to provide legal counsel he still couldn't keep it going mo stars means mo dosh soon we'll have enough scratch to fund my big comeback this kid is great at helping us rob people and best of all he doesn't know a thing because if he did We'd have to take care of him. I don't know why that attorney even hangs around him. I don't. I don't understand how anybody hangs around a kid. Yeah, Toronto, the attorney could do better than that. See, here's what I wonder. Like, I, you know, that I am frightened by change. I fear catalyst comets. I don't <laughs> like things to be different from the way that they've been. But I kind of wonder if the Candy Kingdom 
sort of needs to collapse. If that would just be better mm. for everyone to just have the whole thing crumble because no empire lasts forever. It, it always crumbles in the end. And the candy kingdom has had so much power for so long and so much more power than any of the other three elements of the universe as prescribed in the Evergreen episode. I think that a full candy kingdom collapse would give Princess Bubblegum some time to really find herself and get herself straightened out and then she can either rebuild a better kingdom or we could just live in a kingdomless world. I mean, there there are plenty of creatures, plenty of characters who don't exist, who don't need the kingdom uh, style of government to own homes and, and prosper or at least survive. Yeah, it there's certainly there's there's some question about why um, it needs to be a feudal system. Right. Um, it's it's not as if um, it, it doesn't seem like these different uh, styles of of creature uh, necessarily use the same resources. And, you know, it, it doesn't seem like, oh, the fire kingdom is so huge. They need to expand and take the candy kingdom or the, you know, or the ice cake. Everything does seem to kind of exist on its own. So it's it's interesting to to wonder why it is that they do live in that sort of system when there doesn't seem to be much to fight over. Well, but remember that the candy people, as described by Princess Bubblegum in the episode where she's trying to fix up the shack to live in, she describes them all looking at her with their dull, pleading chicken eyes. Okay, here's here's a fundamental question. She sees them as her children, right? She sees them as incapable of really being autonomous, making good decisions on their own. Um, she's like, a, she is literally a, a mother to all of them because she created them. Um, and right. and even though some of them have mustaches, she still sees them as all her children. <laughs> do they do they have the ability to take care of themselves? And just haven't ever been had that expectation placed on them. Well, I, I, I can remember a couple times where she went away for a minute and then nothing but chaos happened. <laughs> that's true. You know, they were, and that's I certainly mean, she what doesn't happened seem here. To be, have been, she doesn't seem to have been capable of making even one uh, self-actualized, self-governing being. They all seem to to need some sort of direction. But then I think that's a reflection of her. Why is she making creatures that are so needy? I don't know. I would like to see this played out a little bit more. I would like to see the King of Ooh try to try to run things and uh, run things possibly further into the ground or figure it out in some way. I'd like to see... I think, I think Princess Bubblegum needs some time to, to straighten herself out. I think she needs that, uh, that period of exile. All right, what are you wondering about heading into the next season, Mike? Um, one of the things I'm wondering about is is everyone's friend, Betty. Uh, right. Betty, of course, being um, Simon, before he was the Ice King of Simon Petrikoff, and Betty was his fiance. And, and research when, uh, partner. Simon found the, right, and when Simon found the crown, started going insane and kind of chased um, Betty away. But we've come to know now that uh, he actually chased Betty into a time portal where he was talking to her as the Ice King and she leaped into the time portal. So whereas he thinks he just scared her away completely, actually, uh, she leapt into his arms in the future. Yes. Um, while he was uh, in the middle of one of his uh, manic 
Ice King um, moments. But uh, she's in the future now. She's in, in Ooh As We Know It, and she's trying to find a way to save Simon from the uh, influence of the crown. Uh, but at this point, a thousand years into the future, when she met and was with him, the crown is the only thing keeping him alive. Right. So she's trying to find a way to separate him from the power and, and keep him alive. And um, at this point, she's managed to um, receive the powers that Magic Man used to have. Mm. When he became um, a normie. What do normies do? Get smoothies or something? Right, exactly. So her powers, his powers are transferred into her. And what we know now with uh, with Adventure Time's relationship to wizardry, then she's received some dosage of his magic, madness, and sadness. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, I mean, has she become, uh, has she essentially become Magic Man since he was a pretty cool guy before he lost his uh, his wife Margles? And he began to become a plague-releasing maniac, right? Um, never fully recovering from that, um, and always, you know, wishing for a way to uh, reconnect with the one he lost. I'm wondering if Betty hasn't begun to walk down the same road. Yeah, I watched the Betty episode the other day, and she was very focused. By the end of the episode, she was very focused on curing. Simon Petrikov of being the Ice King. She floated away on this flying rug, and she was going to get this figured out. Since then, we haven't seen much of her, except in that episode, the You Forgot Your Floaties, uh, where she's teaming up with Magic Man or becoming Magic Man or definitely... Uh, and she's the one who lays out the, the whole theory of Magic Madness and Sadness being necessary for a wizard. And... Um, but yeah, I, I I wonder if she has taken her eye off the ball to some extent. If if her mission is still all about Simon, or is it about something else entirely? Well, I think that it can still be about Simon, but that you can cross some lines in uh in in trying to achieve that goal that you may not ever be able to come back from. Like she may have been changed in a way. That um yeah that she can't come back from like there's like Betty might be no more at this point she right. might have become some magic Betty and and you know just like Magic Man couldn't even he couldn't even find enough caring about another being to power his transporter for a moment you wonder if um if she might have been changed the same way it's interesting when you think about the uh, episode you forgot your floaties because I'm not sure if anybody ever says that in the episode but they talk about that kind of pool of dark water mm-hmm. that is also associated with the magic madness and sadness and, and what's at the bottom of the pool. And she seems that in this episode to kind of dive into that pool and, you know, the phrase you forgot your float, it makes it seem like she should have maybe had some protections against uh, this water, but she's kind of have, has dove in now and, and we'll see We can only, speculate on what will have happened to her going forward right because if if you have your floaties then you can you can float on the surface of the water you can keep your head above water without being completely consumed by by that which into which you have dived right and she's so focused on her mission that maybe you know uh she did forget her floaties and maybe she might drown in the pool of magic madness and sadness it's it's really a condemnation of magic when you think about it because if she is 
getting so so deep into this into this magic and madness and sadness uh in in her efforts i mean it's hard to think of a wizard in this show who's a really great guy except for abraca daniel and he's the worst wizard <laughs> can make a, a small <laughs> rainbow appear uh and he's a, a basically decent guy but it it's really the further one gets into magic uh the the worse off one really is. It is. I guess it is um, a commentary, a dark commentary on on wizardry and magic. Um, but I think it's I think it's fair. You know, if you think about, I mean, everything costs something in life. Typically, you don't receive the ability to do something special without losing something. Even if that something is just a connection to other people who can't do that thing. Right. You right. Know, you maybe you just maybe it's just not feeling normal at that point anymore i won't say it's nice that they explore that dark side too but i think it's it's realistic and in, in as far as you can be realistic about wizards <laughs> right right um okay as we look forward to the next season here's here's something i'm wondering about here's something i'm anxious about which is how well secured is the lich inside of Sweet Pea? And this is one that we've been hearing from our listeners about a little bit, too. We know that Sweet Pea is a baby who, at his core, is the lich, the embodiment of evil in the universe of Adventure Time. And that really, Sweet Pea pretty much is the lich, except encased in some baby flesh, which he found horrifying when it was applied to him. Um, oh my God! And we it's horrifying to look at too, and horrifying to look at. Absolutely, we know that Sweet Pea, being raised now by Mister Pig and Tree Trunks, is having lich dreams, which is worrying both for overall safety of the universe and for poor Sweet Pea's mind as well. I mean, there's definitely hints that something is is uh, is less than stable in the Sweet Pea lich. Um, partnership or organism yeah there was that moment with um sweet peas um interaction with the king of Ooh in toronto when uh sweet Pea kind of realized as much of a baby can realize what was happening and how he was being manipulated mm-hmm. that he seemed to have a full-on uh lich agency moment where the environment seemed to change it almost like seemed like he brought king of in toronto into this into the lich's kind of psychic world where that disembodied voice had had taken over for a moment i have learned much from you thank you my teachers and now for your education it was pretty frightening to realize that the lich had that much um consciousness inside of sweepy well, and the consciousness is what I'm really wondering about, too, because you think of Sweet Pea, I mean, it's this enormous, good-natured baby, and it's everything that the Lich is not, but I don't think an additional brain was implanted. So are there two consciousnesses? Is there Sweet Pea as an autonomous creature who happens to be wrapped around the lich another autonomous creature are they in fact two people or is it one person uh who for the moment is good-natured because 
his brain has been altered in some way to be that of an enormous baby, but at one point was was the lich. I mean, like, how much how much does the candy coating really count for here? You know, mm, like mm, that's a good one, John. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> I'm well. It's, it speaks to his nature, though, doesn't it? Like, because if it's one big thing, then it's it's ultimately it seems more likely that it's going to come back to being the lich. And Sweet Pea is is baby-like, is very much a right. child, but but is growing up, is going to school. And, you know, once you go to school, if if your evil nature is going to get triggered, public school is definitely the place that's going to happen. Sure, sure. I mean, the thing that, uh, you know, in listening to you uh, talk about the differences of whether or not it's one entity or or two um i do think it's two i think that i think that the lich like for instance the lich didn't have a brain i think i think the lich was just kind of this this dark deathly energy that was kind of animating a skeleton it wasn't really a being possessed of like organs or or that sort of a corporeal body i think that um it's more of just this 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 death energy and um mm-hmm. i think that once you know the the magic white slime was was put on him and and flesh started to happen then i think a brain is created and, and i think that uh you know sweet pea is a product of that of that brain okay so let's uh let's make a quick prediction here by the end of the upcoming season will that which we know as sweet pea still be sweet pea Will it be the Lich, or will it be Sweet Pea and the Lich as two separate things? I think we will see some development of Sweet Pea in terms of the flesh aging and the brain maturing and becoming more of a of a fully formed personality. And I think that the Lich will still remain inside as an as an essential kind of energy thing that that gets you know that that happens every now and then. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think the uh, the lich is going to come to dominate Sweet Pea and turn Sweet Pea into a a very very scary thing. I don't think ultimately we will lose Sweet Pea as you know because very rarely does does that kind of death happen. But I I think at some point they are going to have to be separated. But I think it's going to get darker and eviler before <laughs> before sweet pea but, is but liberated the, you know, but that's that. the question is like is is there can there even be a separate sweet pea without the lich because sweet all sweet pea really is is the lich with with brand new you know carbon flesh you know right and and it's, right. And it's what happens it's just you know it's basically just a new person uh but a new person that's generated from that energy. Yeah. I, I don't mean, know. I guess there's a question of what happens if you just threw that white slime on anything. What would happen? Like it may thin <laughs> grow an arm, but it made the lich become a baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like we have to, I guess we have to find out more about what the properties of that stuff is too. Um, all right. What else are you wondering about? I am wondering about, you know, speaking of the lich and speaking of um, him being deathly bomb juice, basically animated and walking around. Um, mm-hmm. 
I'm wondering about the effects of the mushroom war, and I don't. I, I have a feeling we probably won't get a lot of this stuff explained. But it's it's we stuff never that get as much I look, about the mushroom war, <laughs> and it might be nice that way, you know. But yeah. um, I I wonder um, as I look at the different creatures that inhabit ooh, it, it makes me wonder like how did all these different changes take place, and how much of them are due to the radioactivity having been released from the mushroom bomb in the mushroom mm -hmm. war. Um, a lot of the creatures seem to kind of be haphazardly thrown together. Like there's, there's, you know, like there's a bouncy house <laughs> princess, a sentient bouncy house. There's yes. house people, you know, there's, there's a farm, breakfast which princess. is a, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and I'm wondering how much of this stuff is an effect of, you know, uh, radioactivity being released on earth as we knew it and it has it made some of these new creatures that we call you know that we've become familiar with as characters on the show i need to make a confession right now uh -oh. until until just this moment it never occurred to me that the mushrooms in the mushroom war were mushroom clouds <laughs> or that it could be mushroom it's clouds. a big one john <laughs> i know i know i was it's taking like it's it all like your own it's like your own personal mushroom bomb just went off. <laughs> I know this is my own personal sweet pea moment and you've awakened <laughs> the lich inside me because I thought it was a war involving fungus of actual it, mushrooms. You know, shiitake, I could, I could, I could portobello. <laughs> Psilocybins. Yeah, um, psilocybin. It, it magic. Certain, it certainly could be and I could just be making a huge, uh, terrible leap. But I, I do remember... In the in either the Finn the Human or Jake the Dog episodes, where they're where they're uh, in that farm world, mm -hmm. and um, when old lady Marceline is talking about what uh, Simon did to sacrifice himself and save the world from the mushroom bomb going off, when she talks about it, when she says um, stopping the mushroom bomb from being released, they show this cutaway of the Lich standing. Uh, in front of a giant like mushroom explosion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, when you that look enough at enough evidence what, for me, all I needed was one cutaway, and I'm like, "Yep, oh, there it is." <laughs> yeah. It's certainly that. It's certainly a much more realistic uh, scenario, <laughs> rather than rather than mushrooms going to war in some way or being used as war. Um, I mean, I, I do think that in the in a world where there can be a breakfast princess and a bounce house princess. Uh, mushrooms going to war is is low on the list of of unlikely things. It's <laughs> yeah, it's not so far fetched. It's, <laughs> it's perfectly possible. Do you want to know about the mushroom war? Like, do you want to know who started it? Do you want a link between the world we live in and the world they live in by saying like, well, first China invaded Japan and then Russia did this, and soon there were nuclear weapons flying around i mean do you want that i gotta say i gotta say john it sounds awful <laughs> <laughs> right sounds, sounds absolutely like what i do not want yeah yeah i i i think i'm fine with it uh with the just hints and and illusions many of which apparently are are too oblique for me to pick up on so i'm i'm easily, <laughs> I'm easily dazzled um but uh, I mean, I'm actually I'm I'm very much more interested in what the aftermath of the war has been because you look at mm -hmm. you know I, I believe um, you, like I said there's inanimate objects that seem to have come to life in some sense 
um, but there's also, you know, the the animals that we encounter are right. sentient in a way that it's a little weird. Um, yes, I really got caught up thinking about the wolves, John. I spent a lot of time there thinking are a about lot wolves. Of wolves. What about wolves? Well, there's so many different kinds of wolves in the world of Adventure Time. Like there's there's a hug wolf. Mm-hmm. There's a there's why wolves. Yeah. Right. Um, there's um, there's fire wolves in the fire kingdom. Yeah. And then there's party god. The party god is also a wolf. It's a wolf. It's a floating wolf head with a baseball cap <laughs> on. It's like what what has happened where the wolves have gotten this variety of 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 modes of of, of existence. You know, versus uh, these other animals. I can't party foul the party. I'm the party god. There's, you know, there's just this question of of whether radiation, in some sense, has been responsible for all of these animals and and inanimate objects to have been warped that way. And where I'm not, whereas I'm not holding my breath waiting for the answer, I I just wonder if we'll get a little bit more on that as we go forward. Nico Case is an acclaimed and best-selling singer and songwriter. Her most recent album is The Worst Things Get, The Harder I Fight, The Harder I Fight, The More I Love You. But we have her on today, not really because of music, but because she's one of us. She's an Adventure Time fan, and she thinks about the show a lot. Nico Case, hello. Hi there. Hi, Nico. Hi, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Nice to meet you. Um, all right. Now, we invited you on Conversation Parade and, and invited you to do what we do every time we do the show, which is pick a topic, bring it in for discussion. And uh, what did you choose for your topic? Well, I chose Finn's dad, Martin. Martin Mertens. Because he's a total piece of crap. Um, <laughs> and I, I don't feel sorry for him. And what I love about Adventure Time is what I love about Loretta Lynn, which is they don't ask you to feel sorry for him. <laughs> kind of like Loretta Lynn's like, you want to steal my man? I'm going to punch you in the face. Adventure Time's like, this guy sucks. He just sucks. You know, this it's so funny. Um, I was watching more episodes uh, in preparation for this here conversation. And gosh darn it, I started to like Martin. I ah. actually did. I don't know how it happened. You know what happened? He was playing with that little koala guy in the Owner Lamb episode, and he had that little glint in his eye when it reminded him of Finn. You're just an eyeball-looking sweetie, ain't you? <laughs> okay, you can hang on to my face. Hmm, those little ears on top of your head even remind me of my son's stupid hat. Mm-hmm. And I just found something to like about him. I don't know. But then, I, I he do le- like- but then he left the little guy by the side of the road, and I almost cried when, like, you see him. He's driving off. He's like, see you later, and that little koala guy's just laying there. I've been that koala guy, Mike. And, but the way he even says it, he, see, he sees the guy getting beat with sticks. <laughs> and he's like, well, see ya. <laughs> made me laugh. I don't know. It was a terrible thing to do, but it made me laugh. Now, how about this? How about the notion that Martin is who he is and... Uh, the way he is is inescapable. He's going to take no responsibility. He's going to be self-centered. Uh, he's going to leave the scene whenever things, as he says, stress him out. Like, would you rather have no Martin around or would you rather have 
him living a lie and kind of chafing and, and not being really present in Finn's life. Is it better that he left? Is it better for Finn in the long run that he was never part of his life? Nico. Oh, totally that he left. Yeah. I'm super grateful that he left Finn's life. I think Martin is super complicated, but Martin is also a douchebag. <laughs> Because there's kind of an area between like age 20 and age 30 where you figure stuff like that out and then you don't spray diarrhea it onto other people anymore. Like you kind of adjust your nozzles around there and Martin's like, my nozzles are free. Scalding poo is just coming out of me. And like not even scalding poo, but like shameless kind of like being this weird sociopath where remember when when Finn says, why did you ban me? Oh, I mean, <laughs> you know me. I'm a funny guy. What? what? Uh, I don't know. It was a long time ago. Who knows? Like, maybe you left me. <laughs> That's right. You know, he's a, su- he's a super manipulator. And he's a jerk. Like, he's the guy that you go, okay, all religions in the world... There needs to be birth control because this guy (laughs) is not a dad or should be reproducing. Like, I had two Martins as parents, so I'm like, nope. Martin could have come back later and been sorry and helped out, and that would have been cool. But Martin just does not give a rat. Martin is a total... Like he no you I think you you nailed it right on the head. He's an absolute sociopath. Like there's there's no way around that. And Um, he's charming and like of course he's charming. Like he of course he's funny. Of course he's you know people are attracted to him in a like that guy's he's really charismatic and interesting. You know we're into him. (laughs) Like when he tells those little koala guys, I am your new leader of the revolution. They're like, all right. (laughs) <laughs> really believes what he's saying to the point where we're going to go with this where they're going to they're going to give him their nutrient providing moth right for him to uh to go save them with with this moth i can swoop down on the unsuspecting heads of your enemies again and again this is more than a little milk i'm talking about i'm talking about the milk of freedom and then he uh he turns around and sells the moth and, and the next time we see him but I was thinking about that, and and my question to both of you all is: Do you think that he had the intent of selling that moth that entire time, yes. or if he just changed his mind, like once he got to that? He town? was going to do whatever it took. I don't think it was so specific as that, but he would do anything to get Martin away from that situation where Martin wanted to go. He did not give a crap what happened to that moth or those people. They're just like these weird stepping stones that pop up. And that's, he's just like straight ahead with Martin only. I find that there's very little deliberation on the part of Martin. His mind thinks quickly because I think it's a very simple proposition that where he's looking for the angle that works out best for him. In, in, the, mm-hmm. in the Citadel episode, when he's finally freed and uh, all these monsters are also freed at the same time, do you remember what he asks the monsters? Hey, cool guys. Looking for a new boss? Like he's playing an angle. It's not even that he's going to escape or he's going to use these guys to escape. He wants to be the boss of the monsters well, right out of the Well, do you know what gate. he's figured out? What's that? And this I know from becoming a boss after not wanting to be one is nobody else wants to be the boss either. <laughs> so, of course, they're going to want a new boss. They just got out of jail. They don't have mouths, a lot of them. You know, it's easier <laughs> to just have a guy go, I want you to chew through that vein with the weird 
milk stuff coming out. That's interesting. You said that you became a boss even though you didn't want to be a boss. Um, I'm not an alpha personality by nature. I'm only an alpha personality out of disgust. It's like, <laughs> we're not going to get falafels right now. We're going to practice them. <laughs> we have to learn And this song. was a long time ago. This wasn't anywhere near now. <laughs> so maybe, maybe, I hate to say it, maybe you'll end this conversation right now. Maybe you have some similarities to Martin after all. I was raised by Martin, so I'm sure there's a, a lot of me that is Martin that I hate. Yeah. <laughs> I just came from therapy before this session, and uh, I think my Martin is like an Ophelia in the water, ready to drown herself. And I'm going, get the f- out of the water. What are you doing, Martin? That's not very useful. Tell me what that means. Somebody. That, <laughs> that you're trying to exercise the Martin from your own self? It's my my Martin exercising would be more like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Oh, I think. Oh wow, which movie? Kill Bill. Um, it, <laughs> Kill Bill or or Django Unchained. Okay, I, I could hunt. I could hunt. I could totally hunt Martin. <laughs> and the Martins who pretended they were on my side, but really they were selling the other Martins. And yeah, not mm-hmm. cool. The the whole pile of Martins. The most insidious of all. No, I would happily hunt the Martins. Isn't that terrible? That's terrible. But because of Adventure Time, we don't have to hunt the Martins. They're there. We see them, uh, you know, dismantled in front of us, and we're like, okay, we're safe from the Martins in this 20 minutes. And Tignataro took them to another dimension. Can she just be my inner voice? <laughs> I think so. The sound of She's her so voice calm. is so soothing and pleasant and great. You, you mentioned that you were raised by two Martins. Uh, what, mm-hmm. did you, what did your parents have in common with Martin? And uh, you know, what was it that, that resonated with you about that? Well, if I, were to, if I were to compare or just think, how could Martin be like my parents? Maybe he became a parent when he was a child. Because mm. mine were both like in their teens oh, when wow. they had me. So, um, and... One of them was kind of a grifter, and one of them just wasn't ready for parenthood at all. And had they both had really horrible backgrounds, so his backstory could be pretty interesting. But then we also kind of glamorize that backstory too. How, like we society? Yeah, like it, people love the love those kind of stories that are filled with drama. Right, and which the, is kind of sociopathic on our part. It's just like, what one has the most charge, the one with the most drama, the one with the most charged molecules of whatever, and so that's the ones we kind of gravitate toward. And sometimes the more awful, the more we are riveted by them. But then afterwards, you feel like you just drank a lot of diet soda or something really gross. <laughs> it's like, oh, I didn't get anything out of that. It's interesting that you say that too, because you know you're you're informing me of which Adventure Time characters I gravitate to most. There's the Martins and the Magic Mans and the Ice Kings, the guys who are who are, who have been uh, twisted by some horrible incident. Or I mean, in in Martin's case, we don't even know if there is an incident, but just the complexities of his character are certainly what draws me in, as opposed to characters that are a little bit more emotionally available there, those are those are not the most attractive ones for me there's certainly three characters who are working at angle 
Like all three of those guys are are up to something that they're not. They they have a subtext. They have a a hidden motivation behind what they're trying to get at. Well, the Ice King and Magic Man both seem to have broken hearts in common, or they lost someone really important to them that they couldn't save, or there was something, they have an incomplete mission going on, in a way. Yeah. That mutated them. Well, who's to say Martin doesn't? We don't know. We don't know. He right. very he very well may. Let me let me ask you both this about Martin. Um, now, Finn doesn't see him until much later in his life, or at least pretty deeply into his adolescence. Are mm-hmm. there similarities that Finn and Martin have? Is there a nature element that overcomes the nurture element of Martin not being there to nurture Finn? I think so. I think uh, in the way that Finn, in in most situations he's in, he just starts swinging a sword. Uh-huh. You know, like there's not there's not too much uh, deliberation in Finn either. There's not too much of a plan going on. It's just like I'm here. I adventure. I rescue. This is what I do. I'm gonna start doing it. And much in the same way that uh that Martin operates, I think just just on a different frequency. Isn't it interesting then too that uh, the father who raised Finn was an investigator by nature? Joshua and Margaret were were all about deliberation and investigation and looking for clues and completely the opposite of that. I don't know. I think, I think Finn spends a lot of time trying to figure out what's righteous and what isn't or how much space critters have to be themselves. Martin doesn't seem to have a thoughtful bone in his body, like not one shred of self-examination whatsoever. You know what I found even further with him is I think that he has an absolute inability to think about the past really at all like he just can't do it like uh, when he sold the moth and the little koala uh-huh. guy was crying he kept telling him just stop thinking about it because that's kind of the way he operates right. he doesn't think about what just right. happens he, think, he thinks about right. what's about to happen now like when he gets to that town and the uh the guy selling him the booze or whatever he's drinking, asking him if he's been there before. And he's like, I, I, I don't remember. Like, why would I remember if I've been a place before? My past life, it's a pile of mush. Like, he just doesn't <laughs> seem to have a mechanism by which he remembers anything before right now. I wonder if Adventure Time will show us Martin paying for his lack of <laughs> self-examination. But haven't we seen at least a glimmer? I like I, I, I want to buy into this idea of the brainstem driven Martin with no deliberation, with no thought. But in the On the Lamb episode, there is that moment where he recognizes the the little guy as, as being similar to his son and he even says, My son. So isn't there isn't there the possibility that all this bravado and all this uh selfish charisma is masking somebody oh your guys are gonna shoot me down, but I'm gonna keep going. Uh Masking somebody who really is sensitive and really is contemplative and really does have a love for his son, which is how why he showed up uh, in the first place, or at least in the second. I I mean, he he has he has uh, love only in the most abstract kind of way. Like he, you know, he he doesn't want anything bad to happen to Finn. He's helped Finn, but only when Finn was in his direct path and able to be helped with not that much effort. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to change the course of his life to be involved in Finns in any way, mm. you know. Um, and he has positive feelings for him, but he's not the kind of guy who's going to, you know, stop living life in order to be a parent. Do you think there's any glimmer, Nico? Do you think that there's any redemption possible? Well, 
it seems to be all fear-based. We don't know where Martin came from. So no. Martin may have had to only be in survival mode this whole time, except right. when he was getting it on with Finn's mom, I guess. But um, he maybe he was then too. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he is interested in the fact that he has a kid, but only in what his kid can do for him. Maybe. And the paying for it part I talk about is definitely going to be like, not he's going to pay for this lack of self-contemplation, but alone in the dark with no one seeing it. And it's going to be the worst. But I mean, we've seen seen him uh, in cosmic jail. We've seen him on a chain gang. I mean, he gets in trouble. He goes to jail, but he doesn't seem to have a way to apply any of this as a lesson. Well, that's what I mean. mean. The inner torment of like, look what I did. Oh, Mm. no. In slow-mo, with like the blast going off behind him, like, no, (laughs) go back in time to fix it. And he can't. Do you think we'll ever find out who Finn's mom is? And I kind of, I have to say, I sort of hope that we don't. I sort of hope that there's a a mystery that never gets solved there. Do you guys want to know? Hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, some part of me definitely would like to know. As a feminist, I'm like, we better value who Finn's mom is. Where's she at? <laughs> and then part of me is like, no, mysteries are cool, too. I'm half and half. Yeah. But you know what? One thing I really liked about it's not that I, I won't say I liked it because it won't. It's not something that he did that made me necessarily um, appreciate his character more. But at the end of the episode on the lamb and he's got all of those riches inside of the moth. And he's clanging his gold together, and he just kind of like sighs. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, oh. Yes. You know, to me, that was a really little, that was a rich little moment. Like, you know, um, what is his end goal? Like, he got the money, and he was still a little bit uh, disappointed because he seems to always kind of need to be escaping something or need, need some sort of mission. So, you know, I mean, where does he where does he go from there? What is his end goal? I was struck in that moment by how useless gold is in the vast vacuum of space. <laughs> like he's, I agree. He's got all these riches, but it just it doesn't matter in that moment. Or even here, if you really thought about it. Yeah. It's one of the softest of metals. <laughs> it's easily pliable. So pliable. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? Well, Nico Case, we've all learned a lot today. Thank you so much for being on Conversation Parade. Thanks for having me. It is one of the highlights of my life to talk about Adventure Time with a couple of nice dudes. Conversation Parade, an Adventure Time podcast, is a production of the Infinite Guest Network and American Public Media. It's hosted by me, John Moe, and Open Mike Eagle, who also hosts the podcast Secret Skin. The Adventure Time end credits theme song that you've heard on this podcast was written and performed by Ashley Erickson. Larissa Anderson is our producer. Special thanks to Cartoon Network. Hey, this is our last episode for this first season of Conversation Parade, but... Good news, we'll be back, so check in with us a little bit later this fall. In the meantime, go to infiniteguest.org, search for Conversation Parade, and you can talk with us in the comments section of the episode pages. Some lively discussion happening there. You can also find us on Twitter. Mike is at Mike underscore Eagle. I'm at John Moe.